Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. As we come to Matthew chapter 12, we discover some things. You go, what is that? Okay. We discover that Matthew, now, now think about this. Matthew's Jewish and, and he's collected a group of stories, if you will, on how people are responding to Jesus and his message. So as he's being a disciple, he's going, Oh, did you, did you see? Oh, and he's, and he writes them down for us. Now, what we'll learn today is, well, what we learned is like today, it's, it really is a mixed bag of responses. Okay. Well, like what? Well, some stories we're going to see are positive. He, they, they embrace the Lord and people love Jesus and they believe he's the Messiah and their lives are changed. That's one of the stories. You go, okay, what else? Well, some are more neutral. You, you understand neutral, right? Like the story we learned last week with John the Baptist. You go, what do you mean? Well, remember John the Baptist, he was neutral. He, he started out really anointed and really positive, but then he stopped and he's like, um, guys, guys, come here, come here. Go see if that's Jesus. If he's the one or should we look for another? Is he the Messiah? And, and we had, if you call it, if you remember, we had about, about these unmet expectations, unmet expectations. And I still think that happens today. There's a lot of us walking the Christian walk and we expect the Lord to work or look or act or do something a certain way. And when it doesn't happen, we get discouraged. And I got to be honest with you, even in prayer, if you have an unmet expectation in prayer that does not go through, that does not happen the way you think it, it creates doubt in your life. Oh, well, maybe, I don't know. And what I find myself, not you, I'm, I'm preaching to me, what I find myself doing is I'm find, I find myself defending God. Well, God, I guess, okay, so you're this and you're this and you're this. What I need to do is I need to seek to understand the heart of God so I know that he's sovereign even before I pray. God, it's your will. Help me to align my will with your will. Now, Lord, your will says that according to Isaiah, I can pray for those who are sick. I'm going to pray for that. But I'm still going to trust you, God. I want to line up my will with your will. And God's will says, no, 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 Ben, I choose to bring him home. And I say, yes and amen. I don't like it, God, but I'm going to line up my will with your will. See, we got to be careful because with unmet expectations, it creates doubt in our walks. And it also creates unbelief. Unbelief. That's what we talked about. That's what we talked about. Now, it wasn't only John, although he was the central theme. Do you remember the three cities? The three cities. I mean, I mean, think about that. They, the city itself had an unmet expectation as they looked for their. This is this isn't Jesus. This is no. He did more miracles, and they didn't believe. Why? Because they thought, no way. There's no way a good old boy from Lubbock, Texas, could be the Messiah. That's how they're thinking. And Jesus comes and he says, oh, notice what he says. He says, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, and you, Capernaum, who are exalted to the heaven. You'll be brought down to Hades. You guys, you didn't believe. You didn't believe. 
I can believe that. So John has, I'm not, I'm not sure. And then these people were like, oh, we're not sure. We're not sure. So even in the towns that Jesus did so many miracles, they never, help me church, expected, that's the key, Jesus to be the Messiah. And guess what it did? It created unbelief. It created unbelief. Now, take a minute and think about your upbringing spiritually. You go, why? Because sometimes, sometimes, guys, um, we have been taught and we expect certain things from God. And when there's an unmet expectation because it isn't true or, or that's not how, who God is, well, then again, we end up like Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum. We, we, we walk in unbelief just a little bit. And we say, hey, you're going to minister to your friend. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, she's really hard. I don't. And we get, we, we, we start, right? We don't come out and say, hey, hey, no, I don't believe. But we walk in unbelief just a little bit. Because, so what's our job? What's the goal? Our goal is to find the heart of God and let it beat so we can go, okay, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. Think about it today. Think about it. So many people, so many people we know don't believe in Jesus because they somehow misunderstood who he was or they had an unmet expectation. And that's where you get maybe the neutral, but that's where you get a lot of the negative. Because they have this idea of who Jesus and, and basically a, a so-called quote-unquote Christian led them in a way of, oh, well, this is what, okay. And, 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 and so what happens is now it's, now you, hey, listen, you need to give your life. No, I didn't give my life to Jesus. Why would I give my life to Jesus? Because I'll tell you what he did for me. He didn't do nothing for me. And they're so angry because they don't know the heart of God. They don't know the heart of God. Do you realize that even a neutral response was from the very family of Jesus? Not only was John and, the, and, and, and a lot of unmet expectations from the cities, but even some of Jesus' own family were more neutral than positive. Can you imagine? My little bro- my well, my big brother, right? He was the oldest. My big brother isn't the Messiah. He's not the Meshach. He's not the anointed one. Come on. <laughs> yeah, he's perfect. But you know what I'm saying? But, but they didn't believe. He tells us that they didn't believe until he was resurrected. Oh, that's my bro. They, they got it. But it... But while he's walking around doing miracles, do you guys remember? Hey, Jesus. Yo, Jesus, what up? Hey, listen, uh, maybe you should go show yourself in Jerusalem for the feast. What do you think? I'm quoting John. I'm paraphrasing. And Jesus is like, no, that, that wasn't my point. My point isn't to go make a big show. And then later on, he showed up to the feast. But that's, that's, that's his family. That's his family. So you have some positive. Can I get an Amen. You have some neutral, great, great. Because even if you're neutral, you're still thinking about it. But then you have, if you will, negative. Over your life, have you ministered to somebody or try to, t- try to read somebody that's negative? Oh, even sometimes hostile. You're just like, whoa, whoa. Well, that's, that's who you have right now. It's Israel's leaders. 
the very ones that should have been proclaiming the Messiah are negative. They're entirely negative. Who? Well, you have the Pharisees and the Sadducees and 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 so again, think about that. They all, they all reject Jesus together. Why? Because they think he's a false teacher, first and foremost. He's leading the people astray. They think he's blasphemous in his exalted claims that he's making about himself. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is that the, the, the Pharisees, they had the Old Testament. They knew. They knew the Torah, the first five books of the, they knew Jesus. And he's coming in and he's fulfilling all of this stuff, but they're crossing their arms and going, no. No, he's blasphemous. Joseph's boy? Mary's boy? Come on. <laughs> no, 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 no. And so we come to chapter 12, and we see that a lot of them are negative right off the bat. Now, let's read the first two verses, and then I've got to give you some background, okay? Matthew chapter 12, think of the Pharisees. You have some, you have some great, great positive, right? You're a, let, me, let me just say this. You're a positive... Because you're here, and you gave your life to Je- You're a positive. You heard the message. You said, yes, I want Jesus. I can't live without him. I want Jesus. There are some, maybe watching online, that are, na- that are neutral. They're neutral. They're like, okay, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm still searching. I'm still, I get that. Do you guys remember when you were neutral? You're neutral. You're just like, ah, I'm not sure. Let me tell you what made me neutral, my religious br- upbringing. I didn't, I, I didn't, this is new. Are you kidding me? But here, the very folks that should be pushing are negative. Let's read. It says in verse 1 of chapter 12, At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck the heads of grain and eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to Jesus, Look, Your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Your attention, please. In order to understand these first two verses, we have to do some work. We have to understand why they're going after Jesus on the Sabbath. Okay? That's where the Pharisees got so angry with Jesus. A lot of things he did was on the Sabbath. Once again, proving to us that they misunderstood Old Testament scriptures that they wouldn't even take a moment to listen to Jesus. In our walks, not ours, but think about this. There are so many, so many we're praying for that they misunderstood who Jesus was and what he came to do and how he operates and how his heart is and the grace and mercy that they forget and they, okay. And we, and we develop a hard heart because that's not how God should operate. But, 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 but wait, 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 let's, let's, let's go. Okay. So, so what? So here's Jesus, right? Here's Jesus and his guys. I love it. They're walking through a grain field and they're going, man, I'm, I'm hungry. Hey, John, you hungry? Yeah, I'm like, Matthew, you hungry? I'm hungry. So they pick some up, and they, hey, they're, they're a little snack, a little snack, okay? A rich cracker, a snack. 
But, but what trips me out right here, guys, is, and when the Pharisees saw it. Okay, we'll get to them in a second. But here's what we need to know. This is happening in the Sabbath. So I got to give you a background on the Sabbath. The key to understanding is that Jesus is our Sabbath rest is found in the Hebrew word Shabbat. That's what it means. Shabbat. And you go, well, what does it mean? Here's all, here's all it means. The Sabbath is Shabbat means to rest. To rest. That's what it means. To rest or to cease from work. Okay? If you are off today, you're not working, you are on a Shabbat. You're, you should be resting. You should be resting. Now, the origin of the Sabbath, now I want, I want you to see this, goes all the way back to creation. You go, okay, like what? Remember, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth in six days. What does it tell us? It says, on the seventh day, he, Shabbat. Yeah, you guys got this. He, Shabbat, on the seventh day. And he says, in all, basically on the seventh day, from all his work which he had made. So God creates in six days, and then on the seventh day, he rested. Now, a lot of people go, Pastor Ben, was God tired? I mean, because I get tired after six days. I get tired after five days. I need two days off. You know, whatever it might be. No, 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 that's not God. Okay, what God has been doing, even from the beginning, is it, it wasn't that God needed a rest. You understand that. Okay? We know that our God is omnipotent, literally all-powerful. He has the power of the universe, so he never tires. God doesn't, God's not like us at all, or I just need a rest. Okay? So what does it mean? It means that God rested on the seventh day, simply that he had stopped what he's doing. Now, here's what I want you. I want to put a little nugget in your brain because it just jumped out at me. The Shabbat, the Sabbath, the ones that they're angry at Jesus for actually originates there in Genesis. You got that? And it says that God works. He he created everything in six days. On the seventh, he rests. If you are a young earth fan, in other words, you don't believe the earth is millions of years old, and you go, okay, I think I'm a young earth, it's, it's about 6,000 years old. That's about what the earth is right about now. Which means, if you were with us in the book of Revelation, that we're going to have a Sabbat, a seventh, where Jesus reigns on the earth for a 1,000 years, which would bring us to the earth being how many years old? Six plus one is, yeah, you guys are good. You guys are great. So in Genesis, as he's teaching us about the Sabbath, about rest, he's going, okay, we have been, he has been working for 6,000 years. When he comes, we're going to be raptured, but then we're going to come back for our final rest. Why? Because we won't have these sinful bodies anymore. We're going to have our glorified bodies, and the work we do for God is going to be glorious. I don't think we're going to have and go, hey, the millennial reign, right? A thousand years. Okay, what's going on, Ben? My glorified body's just wearing out. Been working hard all day. Been working. Got up at five this morning. What what time is it? Yeah, that's not going to be us. Because the glorified body, wow. And it's going to be the rest. You you understand that, right? And so you're going, oh, oh. So why is it important? It's important that we understand 
that God right here established what he called the Sabbath day and the role of Christ in Sabbath rest. What do you mean? Well, God used his example of resting on the seventh day of creation to establish, get this, the principle of the Sabbath day rest for his people. He says, you should work six days and you should rest one. That's what he says. He's establishing the principle, okay? Now, he goes back and he says, now remember, it's a command in Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. He says, here's the commands he gave to the Israelites. This is one of my Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day, the Shabbat, and keep it holy. And keep it holy. That's what he said. Remember the Sabbath day. Now, why did God give that? Why did God give that? Well, first of all, my opinion is, is that if you let us, we'll work seven days a week. We'll keep working and we'll keep working. Number two is even if you have one day off, that really isn't a day off because you have all the stuff that you need to do at home. Okay, well, I have a day off from my job, but at home I have so many things to do that you even get tired when at home. You say, I can't wait to go back to work where I can rest. But if you have two days off, one of them should be actually a day of rest. Now, we're, we're not good at that. We're not good at that. The Shabbat should be a time for you and I to worship and rest. We feel guilty sitting on the recliner resting. I feel like I need to be doing something. I feel like I need to be, oh, let's see. I can, come on, help me somebody. I can get ahead on my week if I just, so Sunday afternoon, you're trying to get a jump on the week. Let me ask you, how well does that work out? Well, I, I usually take, and I add something that, but what happens, guys, is the Lord says, you're, you're going to get tired. You're going to get sick. We need that Sabbath rest. I'm not saying that it's worse for pastors, but because Sunday is, is a work day, they're, they're really, you have to take a moment to, to get a Sabbath rest. And the Lord deals with those in that Sabbath rest. You go, okay, okay, so I got that. But Ben, what were you saying that he was talking to the Israelites? Well... Quick turn in Exodus, it'll be up on the screen, but notice what he says in Exodus 31. In Exodus 31, I want you to see this because it's important, okay, because it'll help you with today's modern church. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, notice what he said, speak to the children of who? Who? So who's, who's Moses? Speak to the children of Israel saying, surely my Sabbaths you shall keep and it shall be a, what's that word again, guys? Sign. That's too important, okay? It'll be a sign between me and you throughout your generations. Why? That you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Now, jump over to verse 17. It says, it is a sign between me and who? The children of Israel. Very, very important, okay? So God created the Sabbath, and then he says, okay, here's the Sabbath. I give you a principle. Now, he says, now, here's who the Sabbath is for. Israel. It's for Israel. It's a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign. This was a sign for Israel. What was the sign? That Jesus was going to be coming and the Messiah was going to give them the Sabbath rest. You understand that? 
Because up until then, they're working, they're sacrificing, they're in the temple, they're, they're killing, um, all of that stuff. And they're going, okay, but, but, okay, so we've got to follow the commandments and everything else. And he goes, no, 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 listen, I want to remind you, it's a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign. I'm giving it to Israel. So, that makes it interesting because then you have people in our day and age that go, no, 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 no. See, you're wrong. We're supposed to follow the Ten Commandments. And if we follow the Ten Commandments, then the Sabbath is on Saturday and you guys should be worshiping on Saturday. It's wrong. You guys are wrong. And you want to know why the reason your church isn't blessed is because you should be worshiping on the Sabbath. We need to keep the Ten Commandments. Paul says, I realize that. So I need, to, I need to clarify so you guys understand. Now, there are some people who still don't get it. And they do church on Saturday. But listen to what Paul says. Paul is trying to teach us the same thing. But in Romans chapter 14, he's going to teach us, okay? Now, you can turn to Romans 14 if you want. Uh, it'll be up on the screen. But I want you to see what Paul is saying. Now, here's what I want you to see, Okay. As you're turning there, I want you to remember that the, throughout the Word of God, we are should, we should, it would behoove us to obey the commandments. Wouldn't you agree? Not, not as a, not as a means of salvation, Tony. Not as a means of salvation. We don't obey the Ten Commandments. But I think it's a good thing that we should, we should incorporate them in our lives as guidelines. You go, why? Because he says, don't murder. I don't want anybody to murder me, so I'm not going to, I don't want, that's a good, that's a good one. That's a good one. But you know, one of the commandments says, don't lie. Don't lie. That's an easy one to do. Pastor, I've never lied. You just lied right now. You blew it. You blew it. So, so when we did a comprehensive study on the Ten Commandments, we called them guardrails. We call them guardrails because we feel like they're guardrails to keep us, right? These are some great guardrails. But we, but we said that but, but they were for Israel, okay? Because the law, according to Galatians, is the pedagogos that brings us to Christ. We go, oh, I can't keep the law. I can't keep the Ten Commandments. You realize that if you were going to keep the Shabbat, you were going to keep the Shabbat, Friday at 6 o'clock, you could not do anything till Saturday at 6 o'clock. You couldn't lift, you couldn't even turn on a light switch. Because the Israelites said that was considered work, and you were working, you broke the law. You couldn't. So you had to, okay, 5.59, I'm on my recliner, 6 o'clock. And that was the Shabbat. You went, and you, and you, and you didn't do any work. You, you guys understand this, right? You understand that if you go... Okay, I have no lights. I can't make any food. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go outside, Melanie. I'm gonna go outside, Melanie. I'm gonna go outside. And you went outside and you saw something in your backyard. Maybe it's a black cat or something. And you got scared. And you said, "Hey, get away from there!" And some spit came out of your mouth for yelling at the cat, and it moved the dirt. You broke the law. It's considered plowing, and you broke the law. So we can't keep the law. We go, oh, I can't keep the law. I can't keep the law. So I find myself where, guys? In Christ. In Christ to where I'm safe and secure. Because Christ didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law. Guess where I'm fulfilled? Because I'm found in Christ. You go, oh, 
Oh, okay. So, so what does Paul say? Well, okay. So think about this. Now, again, we have some guidelines. We have some guidelines. And we shouldn't murder. Can I get an amen? We don't want to murder anybody. We shouldn't lie. We should honor our father and mother. You guys know the commandments, okay? But you realize that most of that talks, they talk in terms of the, in the New Testament like that. Like, don't lie, right? Doesn't, doesn't, um, Colossians say don't lie? It tells us, right? So that's, you know what it doesn't tell us? It doesn't tell us to keep the Sabbath in any way, shape, or form in the New Testament. Why? Why? Because when Jesus came, he became the Sabbath rest. And when you put your faith and trust in him, you're actually obeying the Sabbath because of Jesus. Does that make sense? You're going, oh, so none of the New Testament says anything about that? No, because when you accepted Christ, he's the Sabbath rest. That's where you get rest. You go, oh, I find rest in him. You wait, I'm fulfilling? You are. You are. Oh, ben, I got a question. I got a question. Then why is my life so? Why is there so much strife in my life? I feel like I'm, I'm working. Well, take a step back, find yourself more in Christ, and then let that birth out the things that you need to do. Not so much, oh, because He should be our Sabbath rest. But what does the enemy want to do? What does the enemy want to steal? I'll give you two things he wants to steal from us. Ready? Our joy and our rest. He steals a lot more. But you you know what he tries to do, right? He tries to steal our joy and our rest. Oh. 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 So what does Paul say? Well, fast forward, if you will, from the Old Testament to the New Testament and even today. Okay, because today we have churches, we have churches, and I, and I don't know if I would call them friends, but I have, I have people on Facebook that, that um, they're meeting on Saturday, and they think that we're wrong for meeting on Sunday. Okay, as a matter of fact, I've heard one pastor say, you'll, 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 you'll trip on this, that the mark of the beast that's found in Revelation 13 is actually the Sabbath. Those of you who meet on Sunday are taking the mark of the beast. I went, what? What? Paul clarifies this, guys. And, and Paul loves us enough and he wants us to learn. Check out this. Romans 14, 5 through 8. I'm going to read from the New Living. So if you don't have a New Living, you can watch it on the screen. Here's what Paul writes. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day while others thinks every day is alike. So what's he saying? He's going, some of you are going, you're, you're worshiping on Saturday, you think that's holier. He says, as a matter of fact, some of you go, hey, every day is, every day is, every day is a great day with Jesus. Every day. He says, you should be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. He's not putting us under any bondage. So if you go, well, Ben, I, I think we should worship on Saturday. Amen. Have Be fully convinced. If you're a Sunday person, amen. Be fully convinced. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food do it to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. 
And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't, what, live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor the Lord. What does Paul say? So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. We belong to the Lord. What is, what is Paul saying? Paul is telling us, guys, that we should. Well, I think, Ben, you should get on Facebook, and I think you should just ream that pastor who's meeting on Saturdays and just, no, no. If he's fully convinced, I say praise God. If he's fully convinced, here's the goal. Here's the goal. Whether you eat or drink or live or die, do it unto the honor of God. That's what he's saying. He's saying, guys, we don't live to our, let me, let me just say this again. We don't live to ourselves. Crickets? Can I get an amen? Let me try it again. We don't live for ourselves. We don't die for ourselves. So whatever you do, whatever you do from here on out, make sure your death is going to glorify God. Well, I don't know when I'm going to die. Neither do I. But I want to live that I glorify God. And when I die, I want to glorify God. I want to glorify God. I want the biggest evangelistic outreach for my funeral. You understand that, okay? Because that's I'm, we're going we're gonna to honor God. We're going to honor God. Why is, it, why is it that at a funerals we're afraid to give an invitation? We're afraid to say, hey, how many of you want to open up your heart and invite Christ? Well, it would offend the family. But, but Paul just told us that we should. We, what are we doing? If you're a believer here today, if you're a believer, your life should honor God in everything you do and everything you say. And if you, and if you don't, then repent. Go, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have a stinky attitude. I mean, people can smell me a mile away. I've got a stinky attitude. Yeah, I do. I've got a stink, stink, stink. It's me. I repent. And then come back and go, okay, okay. That's what Paul says. Now, let's rewind back to what Jesus was doing. Okay? So the religious leaders are what? They're furious uh, about what happened with Jesus. Now, again, let's read it. At the time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. Okay, so we know why now. Okay, and the disciples are hungry. He began to collect the grains of the eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, now here's what I want you to see. This trips me out. Why? Because the text seems to indicate that the Pharisees were often following Jesus. There he is. Right? And, and they're just watching him. And they're, and they're watching him. And as soon as, and here's the guys. I don't know if they did that, but let's just say they did that. They're like, hmm, and they're, and they're just minding their own business. The Pharisees go, oh, Jesus, excuse me. Ex-, you know, they come up real fast. Excuse Hey, hey, Jesus. Yes. Ay. Well, your disciples are doing what is not lawful, and it's the Sabbath. Okay? This is what they're accusing him. Now, first of all, here's what I want you to see. They missed Jesus. They missed who Jesus was. They missed that he was actually the Sabbath rest. They're actually focused on the day. Now, let me just say this to you, okay? If you go to Israel today at 6 o'clock 
on Friday to 6 o'clock Saturday, they actually honor the Shabbat. Now, there are those that are very um, old school, I guess, um, and, and they don't do anything. But, if, but we're tourists, and you have uh, Hebrews who actually work in the industry and have to work weekends. They have a Shabbat elevator. You know what that means? The Shabbat elevator is you could step in, you don't have to touch anything, and it stops at every floor. Top, down, it does that all day for 24 hours. Now, you have the regular elevator, which you and I push, but if you and I push it, we're, we're doing what? We're working. But we push it, and we go to our floor, and we get off, and, and, and that sort of thing. But they don't. They'll just they'll come in, they have to work, but they'll go... It goes, I mean, I mean, it takes longer because they have to stop at every floor, right? But they still honor that today because they missed that Yahshua, Jesus, was their Sabbath rest, that it was a sign. It was a sign. Now, jot this down. Here's what I want you to see. Jot this down. If you're taking notes, Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 25 says this. When you come into your neighbor's standing grain... You may pluck the heads with your hand, but you shall not use a sickle on your neighbor's standing grain. You see that? So, in essence, it was lawful. It was, it was okay for them to pluck the grain to satisfy their hunger. Deuteronomy said it was not lawful to do the sickle, to do the work. Guess what the Pharisees were focused on? They weren't. Fo- they knew. They knew Deuteronomy. You understand that it wasn't that like. Oh gosh, we missed that verse. <laughs> they knew it, so they're accusing the disciples of work. That's what they're accusing them, because they knew that it, they knew that they could get that. So they're coming to Jesus. And go. Why are they working? It's the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath. Love Jesus' response. Look at verse three. But he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read that the law, that the Sabbath, the priest on the temple profaned the Sabbath and are blameless? Verse six. Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is the Lord, even of the Sabbath. Guys, feel the weight of what Jesus just said. Isn't he such, isn't he so awesome? Because not, he goes to the Pharisee and goes, oh, by the way, this is a story you should know. Do you remember David? And they would all went like this. Of course they remember David. They know the story. He was on the run. David is one of their heroes, right? He's on the run. And, and this is, this is found in 1 Samuel 21. And he whims into the priest and his guys are hungry and he's like, um, do you have any food? And the priest's like, no, we don't have any food. We have the showbread that we normally eat. He says, I'll take that. And he feeds his guys. Okay? But what you need to know is he goes, okay, what is showbread? What is showbread? Well, showbread is better just bread. It, it's called bread for the presence. That's what it means. 
and its cakes that were made of fine flour, and they were placed in the tabernacle, in the holy place, in the tabernacle each day. Okay? So every day, 12 loaves were baked, and they were put in their tabernacle, which stood opposite of the candlestick. What would happen at the end of the day is the priest would eat the showbread. It was eaten by the priests. You guys know that. In the same way, what Jesus said is that you guys understand that the priests eat the showbread and they're not guilty. This is part of it. Oh. Oh. He says, guys, David comes on the run. He comes to Ahimelech and he says, hey, can I have my bread? Can I have the bread? And Jesus says, now let me remind you. Guys, haven't you read the law of Moses that the priests are on duty at the temple and they actually work on the Sabbath? Now, here's what you need to understand. I might present this as Jesus going, get him, Jesus! But I think he does it in such a way that he wants to bring the Pharisees into a relationship. Because I think that would be our heart, wouldn't it? Because we have religious people in our lives and they're so religious, but you want them to come into a relationship with God, and you're not really going to go, oh, let me, do, let me, I'm going to theologically destroy you. He goes, hey, haven't you guys, don't you remember David? And a lot of them are going, oh, oh. And I think that should be our heart as a church, is to reach out to people in love. Why are the Pharisees so religious? Were they hurt as a child? This is just something that they were brought up in. Do they not know any better? And, and, and so we have to be, we have to be above that and say, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. I know that they're set in their religious ways, but let's see if I could somehow, cause let's be honest, there are times that theologically we can destroy somebody. And you leave them in their, in their, their but that's not our goal not our goal. There are people who are not Christians that know the Bible better than we do and can destroy us theologically. And we stand there going, I don't know what I believe. That's, that's not our heart. Our heart is it's the heart of Christ. He says, hey, by the way, and, and, and he says, and there's actually, one, there's actually one greater than the temple. And what he's trying to tell them is, guys, listen, you're striving, you're working, you're working for your, for, for, Salvation, and I'm here to give you rest. If you would put your faith and trust in me. I'm here. I'm here. I'm greater than the temple. He says, but you know what you guys did instead? You condemned, you condemned my innocent disciples. And he says, and, and actually, if you knew the meaning of the scripture, I, I want to show mercy and not offer sacrifices. He says, if you would know that. And you go, why would, he, why would you want that? He says, because the Son of Man is what? He's, he's even over the Sabbath. So somebody comes and accuses you and says, hey, you're not worshiping. You're, you're, you're breaking the law because you're not under. You're not worshiping on Saturday. You go, no, I am fulfilling the law because Jesus is the Sabbath and I'm found in him. And I worship not only on Sundays, I worship on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and sometimes twice on Friday. I worship all the day. It is all great. Now, I meet with my church family 
on Sunday morning because we need each other. You understand that? We need each other. There's something about a hug. There's something about a smile. There's something about interacting with somebody. There's something when you walk on that door and they're like, hi, and it just does something to you. We need each other. But we worship every day. We worship every day. We worship every day. You're like, wow. Now, here's what the Lord does. He's so amazing. But after he gives us the principle, he illustrates it. Do you know what I mean? Look what he does. He illustrates that. Why? Because now there's going to be, there's going to be, um, um, there's going to be a second Sabbath controversy. Okay. So he told them and he's like, okay, God bless you guys. Have a great day. And then, and then he's going to go into the synagogue. Check it out, guys. Notice what he does. He's going to illustrate what he just said. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Look at verse nine. Now, when he had departed from there, he went into the synagogue. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, who's they? Well, they followed him into the synagogue. And, and there's a man, and he's like this. And, hey, Jesus, hey, is it, and here, what do they ask him, guys? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Ugh. What are they, why? Because they really want to, because inquiring minds really want to know? Because they wanted to accuse him. They wanted to accuse him. Church, listen to me. It's almost like they didn't hear anything he said in the previous verses. They follow him into church. They see a man who is crippled, and instead of having mercy and grace on the man, what do they do? They ask Jesus if it was lawful to permit him to heal on the Sabbath. So Jesus said to them, what man is there among you who has one sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath and will not lay hold of it or lift it out? How much more value is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Now, instead of going, wow, they don't, they don't, they don't grab it. But what is Jesus saying, and what's he saying to us? Well, Jesus is arguing that the basis, the basis that people's needs outweigh the needs of animals. He's saying it right off the bat. And if Jews are permitted to care for the animals on the Sabbath, how much more should, be, should people be worth? I mean, the Pharisees should go, listen, Game over. Game over. And all he's doing is he's quoting them. And then he looks at the man to prove what he's saying. He looks at the man. He says, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and he restored it whole as the other. Wow. If it wasn't game over before, it's game over now. They're like, did you see that? Now, what's our reaction? What's our reaction? We have the reaction to go, man, amen, praise God. Wow. Wow. It's the same thing with salvation. Here, here Guys, I'm going to challenge you. Okay, I love you guys. You guys are amazing. But when somebody gets saved, we give the golf clap. Yeah, I hope it takes. 
we should be excited and we should be just like roaring. Yes, God, you say, wow, what an amazing thing. Or are we focused like the Pharisees? We just saw somebody get saved, but oh, the way Pastor Ben did it, I don't know. I don't know. It goes against everything. I don't know. It's on Sunday and it's just this like, oh. That's what they're focused on. They're focused on the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath, not, I mean, this guy, this guy's healed. He's changed. His life is all changed in an instant. In an instant. Stretch out your hand. Okay. Now, before we move on, let me give you some great, let me, let me just get some application, okay, because I want you to take home, okay? I want us to be careful. You go, what, Ben? Be careful that we can be like the Pharisees at time. You go, whoa, 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 time out. What do you mean? Listen, sometimes we're so busy thinking what we're going to say next that we actually miss what Jesus is teaching. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been in a conversation to where you might feel like you have to defend yourself and instead of listening with ears, you're already trying to figure out what to say to defend yourself? And then, and then it gets into a whole ruckus because you're like, Man, I am so busted because, because Nathalie will tell me something and I get really, I, sometimes I get defensive that I, I miss what she's trying to communicate. I'm thinking of a hundred different ways how to defend myself. Well, you, and then what, what we do is if we can't find a good way to defend ourselves, we go on the attack. Well, what about you? What about you? I can't believe you squeezed the toothpaste in the middle. Who does that? You're a crazy woman. All I said was pick up your socks. We do that. We do that. Sometimes when we're convicted by God's Holy Spirit, we're trying to figure out a way religiously how to defend ourselves and not really listen to what he's saying. Well, no, no, Lord, you don't understand. I, I, this is how you made me. And it's like, no, here's what I'm saying. This is going to destroy you. Listen to what I'm saying. And, and I see the Pharisees doing that. When the word of God convicts us to bring us closer to him, oftentimes we try to defend or, come on, let's be honest, we'll find a loophole and we miss what Jesus is saying. I don't want you to miss what Jesus is saying because conviction is a beautiful thing because it's one of the things that brings us closer to God. We can't look at it as negative. Well, I was so convicted. Amen. That's the Holy Spirit living in you. It's the Holy Spirit living in you. Number two. Jesus wants us to love people back to life. I love, I love that you all are sacrificial in giving and serving, but we need to remember that people matter more. And I never want ministry to get in the way of people. Right? Do you guys remember? Do you remember the Samaritan? You remember he, he got beat up, he was half dead? And what happened? A, a priest walks by. He looks at him. He's like, oh, you're beat up pretty bad. I'm going to step over here and walk this way. And, and he was so focused that he had to get to the temple to do his religious duties that he missed. And so we got to be so careful. You guys are amazing. You're amazing. Sacrificial giving. Here, pastor, yeah, here's money. I can serve. I'll do children's ministry. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? But when somebody walks in that door, we need to be the ones that are ministering to that person. How can I help you? Are you okay? I pray for you. 
That's the key. Ministry. You know, well, Ben, well, they, they won't walk in that door. Well, God has this amazing plan. He says, by the way, you're going to learn here, and then you're going to take it out there. So the person in your office who comes in tomorrow that wouldn't step foot in church, that's how you're going to minister. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I'm sorry I missed church on Wednesday, but I got caught up. I was ministering to this person, and I really, really and I say, Amen. I'll make it a habit because you need to be in here to be equipped. But people come first. That's what we say. We need to love people back to life, guys. They have been hurt by Christians. They have been hurt by religious people. They have been hurt by the world. They have been hurt by the devil. And they have been hurt by bad choices. Come on, somebody. We understand that. So our job is to love them back to a place where they have a wonderful relationship with God. How do we do that? We love them. Love them. Don't condemn what they're doing. Hey, no, I can't condemn, condone what you're doing, but I'm going to love you through this. Come on, you need to be back. You know better. You know, you know God. Yeah, but no. Listen to what God is saying. He's, he's got a plan. He's got a plan. Now, verse 14, if you, have, if you don't mind highlighting, check this out. Look at verse 14. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him that they might destroy him. Now, here's what I want you to see. There's the law first mentioned. This is the first time it's mentioned that the Pharisees want to destroy Jesus. This is the first time. You go, what does that mean? Well, I looked up that word destroy. Do you know what it means? It means to kill him. So instead of hearing, instead of repenting, instead of going, oh my gosh, Lord, you are so right. We're so wrong. Forgive us. They go, hey, gather around. All right, how do we kill him? Is, does that, is that an oxymoron? The religious people of the day want to murder Jesus? You're missing it, guys. You're missing it. I just, I think about them. They're so hate-filled that they want to kill Jesus. The religious men of the day have hate for Jesus so much that they plot. They plot. How to get rid of him. How to get rid of him. So what does Matthew do? Matthew says, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to identify Jesus as the suffering servant who prophesied in the book of Isaiah. So it sort of changes a little, a, a little trip. Look at verse 15. But when Jesus knew it, what did he know? That they were plotting. He withdrew from there. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. You guys got that? Look at verse 16. Yet he warned them not to make him known, that it might be fulfilled with the, what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. I want to make a quick point. Jesus goes out, he heals people. They're following him and he's healing them, he's loving them. But he says, don't tell people. Now why? Why wouldn't, wouldn't, I mean, if you're the Messiah, wouldn't you go, go tell everyone! Spread the news! He says, don't tell anyone. Why? And I'll tell you why. Guys, think about this. Okay? Many were drawn to Christ because of his reputation as a healer. And this may have been a deterrent on his primary role as the Messiah. And sometimes the Lord goes, no, no, no. I don't mind healing you physically, but my main goal is to heal you spiritually. Because what good is it for me to heal you physically for you to live another 20 years and die and go to hell? Now, I don't mind healing you, but... My, my, my primary role 
is that I'm going to save you. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. But think about it in our day. Think about it. Many have people have come to Jesus because they're in a pickle or in dire straits. Emotionally, they've had something. I've had a gentleman sit in that chair back there and just ugly cry. He was in a mess from his job. He thought he was going to get fired. I mean, just ugly cry. And so, share the gospel. Yeah, that's what I need. I need that, Lord. I'm going to follow the Lord. And then things got so much better at work that he forgot about God. I don't think he forgot about God altogether, but I know that he's not here. You understand? He started coming. He started. He started growing, and then things got way good. Okay, things are good at work. It's not, I don't. I don't have that pending threat. We have to be careful that our commitment to God isn't a shallow one. We have to be careful. Because the one thing we have to understand is that if you're going to be a believer, if you're going to be a disciple, you're going to suffer and there's going to be trials and there'll be tribulation and there'll be stuff you'll have to deal with. That's just part of it. It's just part of it. So what does Jesus do? He quotes Isaiah 42. If you're taking note, behold, my servant whom I've chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out. Isn't that the truth? Nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth his justice to victory. Verse 21. And in his names Gentiles will trust. Can I get an amen? That's us. In his name, Gentiles. And he's like, wow, he just quoted that. He just quoted that. Now, as we close... As we close our study, verses 18 to 21, what Matthew does, he reminds us that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. You understand that? And he describes Jesus as gracious and Gentile. And Isaiah says this, look at my servant. I've chosen him. He's my beloved. He pleases me. He says, I'm going to put my spirit upon him. And he will proclaim justice to the nations. This is God. This is the Lord Jesus. He was not, he's not going to fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He's not going to do that. And in, and throughout all the, I mean, all, all the gospels, you never see Jesus. I mean, even when, when he's about to be flogged, about to be whipped, about to go to the cross, he doesn't say anything, does he? His, his mouth is like a sheep. Isaiah prophesied. But he says, and his name, his name will be the hope of all the world. Okay, listen, listen. As we leave here today, let me remind you of two things. Two things. Ready? Number one, because you've accepted Christ, you are fulfilling the Sabbath commandment. He is your Sabbath rest. Don't let the enemy rip you off. He is your rest. Rest in him. What does that mean? If you've given your life to Jesus, if you're a fully devoted follower of Christ, you the rest that you have is you know that you're going to go to heaven no matter what. Rest. Rest. 
the, the trials that you're facing today, they'll be over. There'll be a new set of trials next year, two years from now, whatever it might be. It's, it's all, it's, this, that's, that's how it is. But the things you struggled with eight years ago, you don't even think about now. My point is, is that rest in Christ. Life is life, but we need a rest in Christ. Can I get an amen? Number two, or one and a half. Let me give you one and a half. Make sure you're resting in, in this life. What do you mean? Guys, take one day in seven to really rest. Don't push it. Don't push it. I've talked to several of you, several of you, that when you got sick, all you did is sleep. And I don't think that was necessarily just the sickness. I think that we're burning candle at both ends, that when we get tired, we go down hard. And the Lord's like, no, no. You need to rest. And in that rest, worship. It doesn't say play video games. It doesn't say watch TV. It doesn't, I mean, all those things we can do, I get it. We, we, you know what? Listen, we, we love to watch football games, whatever it might be, but let's take some time to rest. A lot of times we go home, we get on a recliner. Hopefully you have a recliner. And our, our go-to is the remote. Boom. What if we did something different? What if we said, I'm just going to open up the Word, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to read. I'm just going to, I'm going to read. I don't, I don't necessarily want to study. I just want to read, and I want to see the heart of God. And 30 minutes go by, and you're like, wow, that's rest for your soul. It's rest for your soul. It's rest for your soul. Number two. Number two. According to Isaiah. In the New Living Translation, it says Jesus is the hope. His name is the hope of all the world. What does that mean? When he overcame death, he gave us hope for not only our present, but our future. So our king gives us rest and hope for today and in the days to come. Guess what? You can rest. Spoiler alert, tomorrow, Jesus is already there. He's already there. Next week, two weeks, he's already there. Let's rest in that. Let's rest in that. Okay, God, you're already there? All right, I don't have to strive? Nope. I just need to rest in you. I just need to rest in you. Amen? Father, we thank you for your Sabbath rest. We thank you for your great love for us. We thank you, Lord, that you are and that we're fulfilling that. And I pray, Lord Jesus, and every time we get together, I often want to give um, somebody an opportunity. Father, I just pray, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that they would say, Lord, I want you to be my Sabbath rest. I want to put my faith and trust in you. I want to join the family of God. I want to be saved. I pray you move so mightily. And if that's you today and, and God has been speaking to you, that's okay. Come up to me after church. Say, hey, I gave my life to God. That's so cool. If you're watching online, please drop a comment and say, I gave my life to the Lord. Thank you so much. We can rejoice with you. We can walk with you. And for the church, 
with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe today you just need that Sabbath rest. It's okay. Give yourself permission to rest. Rejuvenate. You're, you're, you're far better off once you have your Sabbath rest to do the work of the Lord. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word and the truth in your word. And we love you so much. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.